Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. My name's Cam Smith. Delighted to look across into Studio True and see... Uh, my name is Matt Stedman. Welcome to the afternoon here oh, on Triple R. You are indeed. Um, we should also... I, I don't know if I've done this for a little while, but just a um, continuing recognition and thanks mm. to all the people that have uh, supported the station in these hard times. Absolutely. We had the best ever Radiothon result this year, which is really genuinely heartwarming. And, um, and congratulations to all the winners of all the awesome prizes. That yes. Are just a, a small part of... Uh, um, well, uh, getting getting you to to pitch in the to the station. Yeah. This is when words fail. You could tell that, <laughs> couldn't you? We've cajoled. No, that wasn't the word I was looking no. for. But anyway, thank you very, very, very much. It is the food show. We have the delight to talk to you about foodie stuff. Yes. Um, sometimes with a market report, I have the great pleasure to say. I went to the Queen Victoria Market. I thought of you last weekend when, when suddenly, <laughs> was it last weekend when five kilometres became Be- 25? I'm like, ah, oh, Cam can go to the market again. I have a possibility. Yeah, because I've just been living in under the fluorescent lights. Yeah, it's tough. It's a sad place to mm. buy produce. First of all, because really it's so goddamn expensive. And there's just not a huge amount of quality or flavour in most supermarket. And you can't, advice, you can't ask advice of the person. Oh, I never thought about that. What, talking to someone in a supermarket? <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Try and keep to myself. Relationships? No. <laughs> we're not going to go there. I uh, had a good day yesterday. I went to mm. Q. Yes. And I said, I'm, I went to a restaurant, Matt, a one which you will never go to. Mm. And uh, because of its geography. <laughs> I just, Cam knows that I, I, I'm a South Sider and yeah. anything further north than, say, L- Lonsdale Street is to me... <laughs> It's just a distant... <laughs> Trobe Street? Are yeah. you kidding? <laughs> Even to get you to Carlton. Anyway, uh, Joseph Argetto, I was hanging out with him and uh, Mauro Caligari yep. uh, from the uh, from Gembrook. And uh, Mauro was making um, paella on the street, which was great. Oh, and this cool. is one of those things that you see where people have to... Was it the massive, big, oversized, big old pan? Yeah. Sure was. Yeah. Bigger than a rubbish bin lid. <laughs> and a lot more hygienic to cook on. Yes. <laughs> How's that paella? Mm. Tastes funky. Yeah, funky. <laughs> Chorizo's the least of our worries on this paella. Um, but it was really, really great. I got to just go to Q and hang out and yeah. talk to Maro. And, you did, know. did it have chorizo on it? Because we know yeah. it, it did. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. He's Argentinian. He goes, well, of course it's got chorizo. It tastes great. And <laughs> just I'm going, don't tell Frank Gamora. I know that. you got Frank. If you're listening, sorry, mate. Don't need to... Choke on your on your wheaties, <laughs> your Spanish flavored wheaties in the morning. I wonder is that like the new is that the Aussie version like the new Spanish version of the Aussie bolognese though? Like we we took this dish, this beautiful mm. pasta alla bolognese, and we just skipified it. Maybe this is our attempt to to, to completely ruin Spanish cuisine, but it's yummy. It's I think it was great. Yeah, but there was there was all sorts of things. I saw a picture. Um, I haven't been into the city, but I saw a picture along the top end of Burke Street where the yeah. car parks are now being taken over and prepared for outdoor. 
dining for which, one of five precincts. I think it is, isn't yeah, it, Matt? Right. So that's that's exciting. Um, whether or not we're standing, I mean, obviously, what we saw over the weekend. <laughs> you, if you had a reservation to be outdoors uh, yesterday, you might have got washed away. But you know, mm. we'll, we'll, we'll baby steps. We'll do as much as we can, as safely as we can, from the sounds. Oh, and if we're going to just send out just prayers of. Um, uh, you know, uh, condolences and things. You know, some people have such a hard time. Ben Shuri at Attica, who yes. has been struggling to keep the place going. So a year ago, Attica, obviously one of the the flagship <laughs> restaurants of Australia, was Australia. international destination, and obviously that's all now stopped. Glen, uh, I- yeah, Glen Ira became inboundville. Continue, sorry, man. Yes, and so then obviously COVID came along. Pivoted, to use that horrible word, to take away with some really good lasagnas. I think you said he chopped up the Chopped up the, the restaurant tables, tables the to make room. shelves. So um, just th- when you think it couldn't get much worse for Attica. A, a bird dies in the drain. And you remember the rain we had yesterday? Yeah, I do. So he got into just flooded, flooded <sighs> restaurants. So there's pictures of uh, these very snazzy vegetable containers that he has, this sort of black polystyrene, mm-hmm. which is... Um, Pretty amazing, non-throwoutable. It's so right. keep them reusable. Yes. Anyway, Ben, sorry, mate, um, but you know he's someone who keeps um, fighting, laughing through the tears. Yes, as we do. So, this is all we um, can do. Today's show, we're going to be talking to Caterina Bossato, who's um, standing by. Yes, um, we hope. We, yes, we hope. <laughs> as long as no one else has, has rung her, um, she's done some stuff. Um, Going back and sort of soul mining into mm. the Italian cucina, um, the Italian kitchen, yes, to bring out something which I call hot peasant food, Ooh. and we'll find a little bit about that. Um, huge excitement, as I said before, I got to go to the market, so we have a market report with John in situ. Yes, not on the phone. No, and actual then, real and then live. I thought we'd speak to someone in Geelong who. Uh, who's making a fist of distilling stuff, Sebastian yes. Rayborn. Yes. Um, uh, booze hound in chief. Yes. <laughs> You'd probably hate that. Booze hound? I'm much more than that, Cameron. <laughs> Please, you're insulting me. Um, but um, the mastermind subject, mm. lurid coloured cocktails. <laughs> so I said to you, so that long forgotten bottle mm. of blue curacao that's right at the back of your cocktail cabinet. Yes, Come forth. Come forth, Blue Curacao, and <laughs> be knighted. Um, <clears throat> that could be one of them. Yes. We'll see what happens. Maduri was the other one I thought of in terms of lurid coloured spirits. Oh, you're good at this game. Caterina Bosato. Oh. Are you never wrong? <laughs> I'm often wrong. I just never admit, I just never admit to yeah, just don't. Life. Just don't ever tell anyone. Um, Caterina from, of course, Caterina's uh, Cucina Ibar. I'm saying it properly this time. Because wow. I think I said Borsato's last time. He went, no, that was a lifetime ago, dude. <laughs> this it is, was. It feels like a lifetime yeah, ago. It this does. Is, this is the one I'm at now. And you have been for a, a long time in 221 Queen Street, Melbourne. You've done something beautiful. You've created uh, something which I, I say is uh, hot peasant food. Oh, I like that. Mm. Yes. High, it is, high, well, and it kind of is. High peasant, it, well, ab- absolutely. And um, this has been one of those things that's come out of, um, well, tell us. Actually, why am I going to put words in your mouth? First of all, how are you doing? <laughs> well, look, COVID has hit everybody 
hard in all sorts of ways and for various reasons. It may not even be just the money side of it. It's the mental health and all that. However, mm. today I turned 25 and so no one's going to ruin my day. Are you um, a quarter century old now? I'm a quarter of a century officially old today. Wow. Um, I bought I bought Katarina's 25 years ago yes. um, at about 1 o'clock, I think it was. And I was just saying to my daughter, Allegra, and my team, Tanya and Ellen, all the guys, you know, uh, at 25 years ago, all I remember was I signed myself away to a life of debt. And you, you, mm. you can't imagine how difficult that is to sort of, you know, swallow unless you're in the moment. And I was obviously a woman, I was a lot younger, and I was in the sort of the non-trendy part of town, and kind of everything was kind of going against me, in and, a way. And everybody was telling you that? Were they not? Yeah, I, I, yeah I, in fact, Cameron, Cameron, I remember very distinctly someone saying to me, you know, you know you are going to fail. Yeah, you know. And of course, oh, I love that, I'm a gippy girl, I'm a gippy girl, and the more they say that to you, the more you're going to come out fighting. But I could have failed. There could have been many reasons why. Mm. And sometimes you've got to just have a stroke of luck. But the other bit is um, simply hard work and surrounding yourself with the right people, which is what I did. I have an invaluable crew around me from my two managers and my chef and the extended team and good friends and good customers that advise me and check up on me. So I'm really very lucky. That's what I can say. I'm lucky. Mm. Mm. And mm. you came up uh, to me and you started talking to me. You said, Cam, I'm thinking about doing a, a line um, of, of stuff, just one to, you know, keep the chef happy and keep us busy and do something and maybe get a, a little bit of income from. And so what was that thing and what was the genesis of the idea? How did you come up with this? Oh, do you know, I think that every – Restaurateur and anybody else who hasn't been working or fully at work, mm. um, you, you're at home thinking about things. Mm. And so a couple too of much. things happened, actually. Yeah, probably thinking too much. Yeah. But can I be honest? Um, I've loved being at home and walking and seeing trees and people and dogs and walking. Mm. It's, that's been the great part of it. So I've rediscovered where I live, and I love that because for 25 years I've dedicated all my life to you know, raising a child and, and running that business. And that's been tough. But, you know, anyway, I was just thinking back to my family and my mum. And my mum, obviously, who came out those, those ships all those years ago, and she said to me, you know, Katerina, it will pass. This time, we're just like the war passed. This is going to pass. And it got back to me thinking about my grandmother and all this stuff. And anyway... What I was thinking about was my, my parents like, would come down to, you know, live on food store and do their monthly shop. As, as all Italians said, they used to buy their oil and parmigiano and, you know. Where, where did they go? Where did they shop? Well, at uh, the on food store, as it was then known. This was... In Ligon Street. It was famous for the Italians. It was that and there was King Godfrey. Mm. And, of course, John Portelli from Enoteca was one of those young fellows working there all those years ago. What a gun he um, was. It was a gun. He, he just, you know. Anyway, it's where all the Italians went. And so my mum, when it was like Easter, she'd go and buy the bacala, the salted codfish. And it was a really special time for us because it required a lot of work to prepare it. And, all, and, and although we used to cook it as well, but there was a thing that my grandmother used to do. And, of course, when I was growing up on a dairy farm, there were no, you know, um, 
thermomixes or whizzy, you know, any whizzy uh, pieces of the mechanical well, the, equipment that would the help. The water bath, yeah, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah, and all that stuff. And so what my grandmother... Suvi um, Bacala, sorry, I just had to say that. That just sounded so weird. Yep, go on, sorry. Yeah, bacala. And what happened was she we, we would use some of the bacala. She'd use the, the prime part of the fish after it had been soaked for, you know, days, seven days, actually. It was quite smelly because we used to use what the Italians know as stockfish, stockfish, which is the stuff from Norway, which is air-dried, so it's no salt. Not salted, yes, yes. Not salted. And it's too difficult to use in a restaurant situation. Can I stop you for a sec? Kellerine, have you ever seen Babette's Feast? I have. Oh, my that was God, the, that, I remember that. They used to do that there, too. That was part of that yeah. tradition. I think they called Lut- Lutfisk. Yeah. So, yeah, you, so you, so you, you soak the hell out of it. Anyway, yeah, go on. So, um, so that's what my mother used to do. And so it was this ritual for seven days. It was very smelly, but being out in the farm, it was fine. Yep. And then you would, you know, so you'd rehydrate it, and then you'd have to beat the hell out of it. <laughs> and I had to beat it with a mallet, which is what my father used to do. <laughs> My grandmother used to do this bacala mantecato, which is the idea we came up with. And she'd put all the broken pieces of fish with oil and a bit of garlic and parsley, and she'd get a, a bucket, and she'd sit there for probably close to two hours, and she'd belt it. She'd just run it up and down in, in this plastic container. So, and in today's world, of course, we would be using, you know, a blender. Yeah, Mama, so come in the house. Come on. Yeah. yeah. So, so what was special about it was because it took us so long, and she was an old lady. And so when we got to finally eat it, you have to understand it was a labour of love. So and it was, was a labour, capital letters, all uppercase. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, all those northern Italians were all the same. They they did that. That's mm. what, that was their ritual. Anyway, um, of course, fast forward to Katerina's. I've had bacala on my menu for a long, long time. But we are using the salted and dried version of it. And, of course, there are two types. There is the North Atlantic cod, which is what I was used to, and then there is the Pacific cod, which is what we're using. So, anyway, so Marcello, who is um, my beautiful chef from uh, Corneliano, which is, of course, the birthplace of Prosecco. And um, Where's that in Italy, just just to give us an idea? So it's in the Veneto region, inland from Venice, mm. and um, all the rolling hills. It's the most beautiful part of the world. Wow. And I did a trip out there five years ago. It's stunning. Mm. Yeah. And Prosecco becomes so big here in Australia anyway. Yes. But, um, and uh, Eleanor, my, my, my beautiful girl that I sponsored many years ago, who's from Verona. So we all had this thing that we knew what the bacala was. And so as, as COVID has gone along, we, the three of us were the ones going in together, sitting there. And I said, hey, guys you know what, let's come up, with, we're coming in, with, you know, takeaway is totally hopeless in Queen, Queen Street because there's no one there. Um, <laughs> yes. We've done a bit, we've had some wonderful support, but obviously it's just, you know, taking over a little bit of money. Uh, that wasn't making us any money. Mm. And I said, let's do this thing. Now, as you, as anybody that would know that's gone into the retail market, and I never have, one little idea requires mm. hours and hours of thought and patience and trialling. So not only did we have to trial the product and get it tested and whatnot, but we had to make it commercial. We had to come up with the the design. And, you know, through Katerina's, I've met the most incredible bunch of people. And Miko, who is a very, very, very famous... um, He is an architect, but his thing is 
he loves to draw. Mm. And there's a lot of my artwork which was given to me um, from him over the years. And a lot, a lot of it is around Melbourne anyway. I think anybody that knows Miko, Michael Lindell, um, knows his work. And so I asked him to draw me a fish. I said, I want something really simple, a little bit modern, a little bit, you know, mysterious. A little bit I edgy. just wanted a fish. A little yep. bit, yeah. A little bit me because mm. I've sort of grown as well. You know, your style changes and it had to be commercial. And so he came up with this wonderful little design that I loved. And, um, of course, during COVID, not only have I had kindness, but I've had people that have given me things for nothing. And he just gifted me the artwork, um, which uh, which is very special for me. I can't explain to you how special that is, but it really is. And then between Tanya, myself, and Marcello and Eleanor, we came up with with everything about the jar, the colouring and whatnot. And Marcello, of course, was hard at work, you know, testing how it would look and how it was going to be preserved and all that stuff. And then the other great thing that happened, of course, was that um, a friend of mine called Mr Anderton, who is, um, you know, he's in IT, introduced me to the guys at Art Pantry, which is basically, you know, it is a really, uh, it is a, a, an online store run by a family business. I mean, they were also a family of three brothers that got caught by covid um, they were in retail and food manufacturing, totally affected, just like all of us were. And they launched iPantry, which is, you know, basically um, it's, it's the fastest growing co- kind of growing online food marketplace. And it delivers across Melbourne, um, Metro Melbourne, Geelong, Mornington Peninsula. And they have been absolutely fantastic. And so my bacala, even if I can't open and be there really selling it. They're, they're going to launch it for me this week and put it on their online store. Oh, and really? And so people will be awesome. able to p- purchase it. Now, whether people love it or not, that I, I can't say, yes. um, Cameron, because that's up to them. But it is it is the food of my of my childhood, and it is the food that we Northerners absolutely adore. How do you and describe you it? it on, if we were, if we were uh, going to describe it to someone, how would you, how would you paint a picture? Yeah. Well... I'll give you. I'll say something else to you. I'll tell you what. Tell me Do something. Do you remember when Georgie Columbaris uh, was around? Yeah. And um, and I well, not that I go out that much, but I remember being taken to his place, Hellenic Republic in Brighton, and and I just went in for one glass of champagne mm. and a, and a, and a snack, and they served me his terra masalata. Ah yes. On some, and I just went. Jesus, that's good. It was it, it was fantastic, and it would have been and white instead going, of pink, right? Correct, correct, correct. And I remember, I remember going up to the chef in the kitchen, and I said to him, "Can you please sell me some of that in a jar or in a you know plastic container?" Which he dutifully did, and it cost quite a bit. But it, I brought it back home, and I thought, "I'm eating his restaurant." Um, Taramis Lada, but at home. So that's part of what I thought about. I thought, well, we're selling bacala in the restaurant as an entree, mm. but it's only to the people that are coming to me, which are a very specific group because we only do Monday to Friday lunches. So once again, it cuts out a big, a big part of the marketplace. And so I said to the kids, let's jar it up and then take it out to the masses. And so part of that was my inspiration, which he wouldn't know. But there's lots of things that have gone on to get the product you know, to this position, I guess. And, and of course, you know, to my adoring mother, Stella, who is still my inspiration for so many things. And, you know, she rings me every week just to see that I am okay. How are you going? Are you eating? Have you eaten? 
I tell you, I've got a little bit of a tear because... I know I can feel it. So Listen, Tay, I want to just... Why don't you just sort of think about that? We think about yeah. your mum and and this is yeah. sort of like it's it's food of the past and it's it's food yeah. from the family and it means so much and there's such a historical thing that without salted cod, without the ability to salt fish, we probably wouldn't have had early exploration of the seas and there's been a ready market in Europe for cod as long ago as the 15th century. And yeah. this this food stuff, the, the Catholic Europe had come yeah. to depend on salt cod for Friday and Lenten dishes. So it has this great association. But if we're – we've only got a couple of minutes left, Catalina. Maybe if yeah. we just describe what it looks like and what it sort of – what it tastes like and, um, and why it's special. Well, so – it's, it's about the time that it, that it takes to make it. So you've got to soak the actual fish for a long time um, mm. and change the water. So that's important to get rid of the salt. But mm. you don't have to re, you don't have to belt this one because it's a dried and salted version, not the dried one. Yep. And then basically, you got to, you have to cook it in uh, milk um, to actually cook the fish and, and and you flavor it with bay leaves and whatnot. And then basically, you treat it as you would like making a mayonnaise, and it absorbs its weight in oil and um and it's a very and it's a, it's a place it's mantecato actually means cream cream so no yes. cream not mm. no cream but, but it's a texture. method of it's a it's a it's a texture and it's, and it's sort of like if you ever the french have a thing called riette um and it's almost like that in, in a way but it's uh it's a divine <laughs> thing that it seems such a simple thing, just this paste in a jar, but uh, the amount of labour that goes into it, the tradition, the love, the family, and all yeah. those things, it can yeah. be a part of your cucina, yeah? It's my COVID baby. That's what I, I gave birth to this little product uh, during COVID. <laughs> yes. And without COVID, it probably wouldn't have happened because running a restaurant for all my fellow hospital friends out there, they would know the love and energy, but the time it consumes you. And, you know, I, I want to have a big shout-out to all my, all the hospital people that I know are doing it. It's so tough, yeah. you know, including me, okay? So it doesn't, it mm. doesn't sort of um, uh, specific any particular area. So some people have been able to pivot really well and fantastic for them, and those that can do the outside dining, great for you guys. But there's a large portion of us that you can't take our, our food out to the street. So I want to send my love, and I just, I just hope, that, you know, we're down to that rolling average of, you know, 14 people. For God's sake, we need to <laughs> yeah. we need, we need to open up. That's what we need to do. And I know that we're saying it loud and clear, um, but already the pain is so big. But, look, with all the pain, this Bacala Mantecato is going to give me a lot of love. And, you know, the jar itself, why it's so pretty is that you can stick it on the table and have... It can be your entree. So it's this thick, rich paste. Now, we love to serve it on grilled white polenta, which is the traditional thing that they serve in Italy, like a little chiquetto. In the little osteria, you'll have this, you know, this bit of paste on the top of a piece of the polenta. But you're or suggesting you that you should do it on a little bit of bread, yeah? And uh, you can have it with bread. pepper. Some parsley is, uh, yeah. is good as well. Um, and yeah. the place that you, uh, you said that you can find it, it was Eye Pantry, was it? Our pantry online, and we are going to take it out to the market, but we're going Good. to start with our pantry. The brothers have been great. Mm. Ramon and Ed, thank you to them. And thank you just to my team that have just helped me with all of this. And, of course, to all my supporters. What what can I say? Without all of you, you know, Katarina's would not have survived 
And uh, 25 years is a long time in business. And, um, you know, it, I, if I'm emotional, it's because I'm emotional for, for everybody because I just know it's been, I think I saw on, on social media this morning, 221 days. Now, you know what's weird about that? I know that Triple R is 221, isn't it? And that's your street number, and yes, I know that Katarina's. Yeah. And Katarina's is two two one, and it's been two twenty one, and it's two two twenty one days. So it's a total omen. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is it, and whatever happens from here on in, you know, when I eventually get out of the business, it's all right. You know, I've had an amazing time, and hopefully people would just remember the people and the times at Katarina's because it's uh, it's been very special. We're not broody. We're underground. We do Monday to Friday lunches. We're not your normal run-of-the-mill restaurant. So we're not searching for the money, because if it was about money, I would have worked day and night and weekends. A long but time ago. Damn you right. All right. Yeah. Well, um, Katarina, I think your bacalao is delicious. Thank you. Congratulations. You got the right first, so I, there you go. I, I did. I did. I, I felt very, very honoured. All strength to you, Katarina. We look forward to catching up with you soon, and hopefully... Um, with tales of very, very happy diners within your fabulous place. Thank you, Katharina. Cameron, thank you to you for being a great supporter of the industry as well. So thank you. Very least I can do. Very least. <laughs> thank you. Ciao, buona giornata. Ciao, ciao. ciao. That sound. Oh, my God. I'm, I could start crying right now because, as you can tell by the sound, we're not on the phone. Either that or the phone's got great microphones. No. We're in the sunshine, um, and I've got John here, and I'm finally back at the Queen Victoria Market. John, I've missed you so much. It is so good to look across and see your face. Good morning. It's good for me too. It is, as I said before. The ambience is a little bit different when you're talking on the phone, but when you're here in the middle of it, it's gone a little bit quiet now. There was a little bit more of a buzz earlier because yeah. um, a lot of the regulars um, that normally come out on a Sunday morning have come out. Yeah. And um, they'll go home and cook up a storm and then I'll go for a walk in the sunshine this afternoon if it lasts. And I reckon, uh, tell me if I'm right, but that there will be a whole bunch of people, myself included, who, because of the increase in the limit that we can travel, have finally come back to the market. And case in point, I'd just like to point out, we probably can't see it, when I walked by before, there was a line of probably about 30 people waiting for donuts. That's a small line. You should have seen them Friday. Friday, um, there might have been about 100 people. Um, and, and the big knobs, uh, the police boys, were standing in the middle of the road uh, going, going hey, oi, mm, oi. Yeah, a bit too close, guys. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see. We, we have been rather lucky um, in lockdown. A lot of the younger people in the area have decided to come and experience the market. Yeah. And they kept us buoyant, which was very good. Oh, really? And as soon as things opened up, I didn't do Tuesday, but apparently Tuesday was very, very busy. Yes. And uh, we were busy every day. Um, and people were just so happy to come back because, as you can see, I brought your show and tell here. The, the vegetables, especially the tomatoes, are just so vibrant. Um, you've picked up a beautiful mango because I'm sure you walked past and said, I had to have that. This is, and, uh, um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what's good at the moment. Obviously, tomatoes are pretty good, even though we're in the, uh, well, where are we? Crossover time, nearly. Yeah, God, I've, I've lost track, John. Um, so we're at the uh, late spring. It'll be uh, almost getting towards the beginning of summer. Um, 
these tomatoes. We've got a whole group of them. You've got a whole group of cherry tomatoes, which you'll no doubt describe. We've got some small cherries on branch. We've got some bigger ones on branch, which are about the size of a plum, I suppose. Yes. And then you've got this Marinello red. Beautiful Rouge de Mamonde. No, actually, no, it's Adelaide, not. No, no it's, a, it's a pink tomato. Because the colour's um, different, isn't it? That's what it, it is. It's, it's pink more than red. So it's, it's got that wrinkly skin. Yes, and the agent tried to tell me they're an ox heart, but I don't think so. I don't think so um, either. We posted photos on our Instagram, yeah. Tomato City at QVM. And we what got a what was that again at Tomato City at QVM. There you go, got it in and uh, we got a tag from um, <laughs> Turkey, and uh, they I think they're uh, really Tomato Monterosa or something. And they said it's me, so yeah. So, what is it? It's a tomato monta. It that might is... be a monta rosa, or I'm not quite sure. What's a monta rosa for those who. That's just a name. It's just the name of the tomato. Okay, so, but it's it's a very interesting pink. Um, it's a softer skin variety like an Adelaide tomato. So, what would this be good for? This would be good for. Well, you oh, tell me. This to slice with a little bit of olive oil and a bit of crusty bread. That's mm. all you need. Maybe just a little bit of salt, nothing else. Or, no oregano, no nothing. Or you could even just have it as a, just. A beautiful tomato sandwich. You could, or even if you had a little bit of um, goat's cheese or a, a beautiful mozzarella. Goat's cheese? Yeah, I sometimes you I, I can get... I didn't know get, you were so fancy. Well, you know, I'd, I'd rather more than mozzarella or, or <laughs> scamozza or something <laughs> like that. I'm just saying that because you gave me a hard time about goat's cheese. I did, I did. Yeah, yeah, but you, 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 you do all those freaky things, things about yeah, yeah. it, mate. Well, we've got to push each we, other around a little bit. We keep it simple. Yeah, keeping it simple. <laughs> this, okay, so just to, if you get a tomato this good, the thing is you don't have to do hardly anything to it. Maybe a touch of salt, a little bit of olive oil, kiss yes. it with some beautiful olive oil and it's all good. Yes. Tomatoes on branch. Yes, we've got these beautiful cherry tomatoes now. Have a look at that. This one bunch wow. has probably got uh, 30 or 40 little tomatoes on it. Yeah. Um, these are a little... Bubbles of um, juice and of joy acid and sweetness. And, yeah, you, you bite in, they go bang in the mouth, and um, very strong flavoured. I don't like eating them cooked, but a lot of people oh, put I them do. in. I do. I do. I love sticking them in a hot, hot oven and yeah. just scalding them with the fire. I find the acid comes out too much for yeah. me. Yeah, you're right. You know, yeah. I, I don't mind. Um, you know, just eating them like that or cutting them in half in a salad. Um, and, and let the flavours come out like that. But this, with, with summer coming on, John, um, and like just a little piece of fish with one of these, sort of like a piece of snapper or something, yep. you know? Um, or and or a rainbow of... trout like we had the other night. Oh, rainbow trout. Yeah, you were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we've, yeah. I bought a couple of rainbows and she stuffed them with a, a bread stuffing, not stuffed stuff. <laughs> not stuffed stuff. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. And, and she put a layer of tomatoes and potatoes on the bottom. And on top, and it was so succulent, it was beautiful. And you know, these tomatoes would really were bring... they were they already par cooked a little bit before you did them, or no, sliced very no, thinly? No, she sliced them very thinly because you because the trout's only going to take about twenty minutes, yes, max. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, I, I was poking the fish and saying to Franca, <laughs> "The fish is cooked," oh. and she said, "No, yeah, the potatoes are not." Stop it with your provocations. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so get out of my kitchen. What are you doing, yeah, prodding the fish? That's what she said. Well, yeah, but get out. I can, look, I can imagine you being 
You come in here and you <laughs> do these things. <laughs> and then we've got these bigger um, cherry tomatoes that are about the size of a golf ball. There's about two, four, six, eight, ten tomatoes on a branch. Mm. These are my favourite. Uh, when they're ripe like this, they're still firm. They're a little bit juicy and not so crunchy like the little ones. Mm. Less acid. Last year I had a, a tray that was very, very ripe, so I took them home and just blistered them in a pan and put a half a dozen eggs on top and a bit of crusty bread, and they didn't even make it out of the pan. Everyone went for it. Oh, I'm glad that so, you were going to say you just had the pan to I yourself. I tried. And... It didn't work, mate. Trust me, I tried. <laughs> and, and growled at people. <laughs> yeah. Get away. Yeah, yeah, but they're bigger cannibals so, than so I am. So say that again. So just so people... That, that sounds like a really good technique. So you cook off the tomatoes first a little yeah, not bit. not too long. You basically just warm them through. And then uh, you, and you break all the eggs, half yeah. a dozen? No, I didn't even break the eggs. You just cracked them straight into the pan, mate. Wow. I, I like my... Um, Yellow to be runny, the others yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. so then we, you know, give them a bit of a whip, but um, very quick, just a little bit of salt, and you put a drop of olive oil in when you're starting, mm. or even if you get naughty like I do sometimes, first you fry your bacon off and then you chuck your tomatoes on top. Because mm. uh, a bit, bit of goat's cheese on that would be nice too. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one, come <laughs> on, you know, you know we all have evolving <laughs> okay. taste buds. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then we've got these other ones, now I've put three different ones in a punnet, um, just to show you the different colours, I've got these little mini Roma-shaped uh, black Russian tomatoes. Yes. Red hue on the bottom, darker on the top. Um, everyone's had different opinions, and I'll tell you when we go through the colours. Mm. And I've got a nice round yellow cherry tomatoes that's loose. And now, what I, do they taste like? They're sort of more sweet? Well, I'll tell you about that okay, in a minute because we've though. had a lot of controversy here. Ooh. And another red mini Roma. I find them all sweet. Mm. Um, Joseph and uh, Sammy, who have become connoisseurs of tomatoes, <laughs> they've well, you, all, should, you should hope so, yeah. They, they've all said that these yellow ones are um, a little bit more acidy. But again, last year when we had them and they were overripe, I fried them with the eggs and everything was yellow and it was gorgeous. So they're ripening up, but they're getting there. And the red ones are a little bit sweeter than the black ones, but they're all beautiful. People can't decide which is better when they've tried them, so they'll buy a little bit of each. Actually, all five of the cherry tomatoes, and it's been very, very good. And then we've got our normal... You know what? Can I just say, it's so good to be back at a market. (laughs) You don't get this in a supermarket. (laughs) Yes. And even if you do get it in a supermarket, Mm. they're either packaged up... um, and who knows how many people have been playing with them and so oh, on. Oh, I know. And then, and then we've got our beautiful Murray Bridge tomatoes. These are a little bit greener than what I like, but a lot of people like them greener, mm. crunchier, stronger acid when they're green. When they're ripe, they're all sugar again. Yeah. Uh, and we've got ripe ones, but a lot of them ran away. And we've got two varieties of Romas as well. Some people like the Roma or, as they used to call them in the olden days, plum tomatoes. Plum tomatoes, yes, I remember that, plum tomatoes. And yes. I've, I've got to say, moving on from tomatoes, we've got about uh, two or three minutes left, John, just so you know. Um, I'm, I'm desperate and I'm uh, just that I'm, I'm despondent and I'm weeping uh, the broad beans. I've missed out on them over here this week. Yeah, they, I only, I only got a few. I'm rather worried that um, oh, maybe the ones from Swan Hill and Majora are finished. Really? So um, tomorrow morning I'm going to ring 
uh, one of my mates down at the wholesale market to ask him to look across from him to see if the fellow from Fertrigali has put them in this year. Yeah. Um, because the fellow we used to get them from Dandenong, unfortunately, left the building. Oh. And a lot of the young boys don't want to do all this stuff because it's a lot of work to get the broidies out. Yeah, they would be too. Um, and plus, they're so fragile to wind too, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, because if you get wind at the wrong time when the flower's just about to set, it doesn't work and mm. you don't get many broad beans. Okay, you put nitrates back into the ground, which is a That's lot of the okay. reasons why they do it. But you're not getting the money. But you're not getting the money as well. Yeah. But Soil's so happy. we'll see what happens. And if we can get some more, likely they'll be beautiful. I believe some people have been having a feast from the garden. We'll check on you next week. Now, you've also got uh, up asparagus. Yes, these um, are a little bit thicker than a, a pen, mm. um, which is small for my likings, but we sold all the big fat ones. Mm. There's only about a dozen, so if you want some, you better go and get them yeah, soon. It sounds like you had a really good Saturday. Uh, we did. All my regulars that could come in did. Yeah. Um, they didn't have to sneak in like they were thinking they were going to do. So they all came out. And like I said, a lot of the new um, ones that have come into the market and experienced it, we, we bought the right stuff. We only buy now what we know we can sell. So, yes, yeah. we've had a good time. All right, it's time to move on to pick of the market. I have oh. my pick of the market, which is this. Oh, that's, oh, What's well, that? You've got yours and that's mine too. 400 gram. Oh, definitely. feel we, that we, you know we, better yeah, than I do. Yeah, 400? I'd say so, yes. This is a first class one. 400 Rob, gram Kensington Rob, Pride. Yeah. Robert's um, selling them at four fifty each. This was four. Four. Well, okay, four. Well, look He's at put this baby. the price down. And you can buy the ugly ones, no, which taste the same. It was down the Italians down, yeah. the, down the side. You can buy the ugly ones, which taste the same, but don't look pretty on the outside, mm. for about two bucks, two bucks fifty. Uh, we've had a feast for them. We even had the new variety. I think we spoke about that, so we won't worry about that. Mm. And this might pick of the market is the asparagus, definitely. Um, there's an abundance of everything as usual. Walk around, decide what you want to eat. Cool. Let your eyes pick for you. Oh, and they do. I will see you next week. I'm going to come back. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to sit in the sun. Okay. Thanks, Take John. Care. Uh, for those that have never met Sebastian, well, where have you been? My God, you've been living under a rock. Um, we've been speaking together on lots of different boozes for how many years is it now? It's been a while anyway, hasn't it? A few footy seasons. It's, yeah, more than a decade. I think it has sure. been. But um, yeah. you were talking to me and you said, Cam, I'd like to speak – about lurid-coloured drinks, please. <laughs> and I went, oh, gosh, that's uh, uh, okay. Um, let's, let's do that. So there was, there was a couple of inspirations uh, for that. Yes. Um, one, of course, is um, we've just been doing a, a Corpse Reviver number blue and a bottled cocktail at, at Anther for Halloween. But the other is uh, another very good friend, Fred Siggins, has just published an article on the Japanese slipper on punch drink, and it's a bit of an iconic cocktail for uh, us Melburnians. Well, this is the thing. I, I deliberately said to my incredible producer who's in the other studio, I said, Matt, do you know where the Japanese slipper comes from? And he said... No. Yeah, and I went, well, hang on to your hats because you might be surprised. What's the story of the Japanese slipper? Let's let's just take it back to an era. What era are we talking about? Well, so this is 1980s Melbourne, so early 1980s. Did you hear when, that, Matt? You know, mm, Melbourne. And it was, uh, you know, I mean, this is when, you know, isn't this when sort of a lot of that... Um, 
A lot of changes in the uh, the economic world, the yes. world of finance and stockbroking. There was a lot of conspicuous consumption and uh, there was a yeah. restaurant that was made so it could be a stage so people could preen and watch each other and it was named called Rosati. And uh, one of the early partner in that was a guy called Ronnie D'Astasio. My gosh, yes. Mm, and this was yeah, like a, it was like a European train station where people drink and do things but then there was a one, another wonderful woman called Mieta O'Donnell. And what did she do? Well, I mean, I guess she's, I mean, we now sort of look back and say that she changed, you know, the dining scene in Melbourne, yeah. you know, massively. But part of that was, was the fact that, um, you know, Mieta's had this incredible sort of salon that was yeah. both to be seen and, and to see people and to drink cocktails and to listen to, you know, musical performances. Like it was, you know, a pretty incredible uh, you know, sort of place to be. It was it was and, an it was an idea where you could really, as well as great food and and um, food and wine and drink offerings. There was a chance to better yourself and to and to <laughs> you know it, there was it was this really beautiful sort of ethos behind it that you could listen to music and there would be poetry readings and all sorts all manner of things, wasn't there? Yeah, it was, you know, very, uh, you know, a really different sort of place. And, I mean, this is mm. where I think this is where it gets a little bit interesting for me because um, I think we know the Japanese slipper, you know, nowadays. And I, I remember when we put it back on the menu at 1806 uh, celebrating Melbourne and that was in 2007 and there was a moment where a lot of bartenders sort of really tried to look down their nose at us for, for bringing this drink back. Mm. And, and, you know, we just, we just smiled at them and said, look, taste it, enjoy it. You know, so it's, you know, Maduri melon liqueur, Cointreau and lemon juice in equal parts. And it, on the face of it, it should be awful, sickly sweet, but it's not. It's delicious. It's, it's, got, the, it's <laughs> got the bliss point is right there between sugar and, and sour, acid and, was, and, and, and sugar. That's right. And it was created in Melbourne, 1984, at Mietas by a, a French um, cocktail bartender, Jean-Paul mm-hmm. Bourguignon. And this is where it gets interesting. We know this drink because it should have a maraschino cherry garnish. But Cam, you remember <laughs> having this cocktail yes. at Mietas. Yeah. Maybe not in 1984, but... And it was um, you, it was served in a flute. Yeah, it would have been around 1984. Um it was served in a flute, and uh, actually, as a very good friend of mine, Fiona Brooks said, it was it had a cantilevered cantaloupe on it. So it had this <laughs> this piece of cantaloupe that sort of hung on this really weird side, uh, and uh, that's the way it had it. But it was also served in a flute and not a martini glass. And I just, you know, I think that's, you know, it was it was lovely when we sort of started talking about this that, you know, suddenly that memory of being there at that moment sort of came back and I guess that's the other reason we want to talk about it because it's a drink that was unashamedly about having fun. It sure was and it was it was a lurid looking cocktail that was sort of the <laughs> one, one of the things about it it was this bright green one but in the uh, two and a half minutes or so that we have left you wanted to talk about the blues. Well we did. Not those blues Cam. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go cats! Uh, yeah, great, great second quarter. That's when I turned off. But um, <laughs> good idea. <laughs> yes, and congratulations to Richmond. It was a yeah, well played. But yeah, blue drinks—they are another cocktail, and it's about a hundred years ago right now yes. since blue cocktails made it to Australia. And there's a lot of newspaper articles that 
talk about how they came from France to Australia in the, in the 1920s. But they were, again, there's no reason to make a drink blue other than for fun and celebration mm. and just to, you know, take your mind off it. And so, and freak out survivor, your neighbour. Oh, yeah, totally. Yes. But the Corpse Survivor Number Blue, it's a, it's a classic cocktail called a Corpse Survivor Number 2. Yes. And you just swap, you know, the, the, the orange liqueur for blue orange liqueur. And the wonderful people at Marionette have produced. Well, actually, it's not available yet. Oh, okay. You can't quite buy it. Um, <laughs> Don't peak too early. Yeah. We got stock pre-release, but they've done their incredible um, sort of medal-winning orange liqueur as a blue version purely for the fun of it. It has no other purpose other than to make you smile, and we figure, you know, that's a, that's a good thing right now. And the beautiful thing about this is you told me, as well as all the other beautiful marinette liqueurs, they have an enormous amount of substance, and you said that uh, it's, it's sort of orange-based because that's the whole Curacao thing, but it also has possibly a bit of mandarin in there as well? It does, yeah. They take their, their, you know, their amazing orange Curacao and they add, yeah, a mandarin... Um, macerate and then also the, the blue colouring. Wow. Yeah, it's it's delicious. It's lurid. It's blue, and it makes for a beautiful corpse survivor number blue, which I suggest <laughs> everyone should enjoy for Halloween next weekend. Yeah, well, it's either that or try to find that flaming Lamborghini again. But maybe oh, we should avoid that. <laughs> Sam, Some things belong dead, Cam. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> a divine thing to speak to you. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Uh, Pleasure. Before we do go, I've got to say congratulations again on Katarina's 25th birthday and also the birth of a new child, the Bacala, available at iPantry. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.